The sunlight that brought light and healing to you has brought stripes and deaths to me. The 4th of July is yours, not mine. Welcome back to another episode of The Stories Between Us. We're the place where ordinary stories intersect in extraordinary ways. I'm Stu. And I'm Modi. And we are so happy to be joined by our dear friend, Monica Nelson. Let's go. Let's go. Monica, how you doing today? How's, how's everything, Monica? Everything's lovely. Everything's lovely. Oh, my goodness. Wonderful. How's the weather? Uh, right now, it's a smooth 106 here Ooh. in Viva Las Vegas. <laughs> So it's, it's brutal. <laughs> How y'all been? So good, man. So, you know, one of the things that the stories between us that we cherish is just the power of stories, just the ability to be able to tell stories, to connect us. In some sense, you know, each one of our stories have been connected in very profound ways uh, together. Um, and one of the things we have realized is that, you know, you know, if I heard it once said that, you know, if you want to understand who you're going to become uh, in life, you can go back to your childhood. So I would love for you to just take us inside your own story to kind of help us, you know, navigate, you know, and invite us into those key or defining moments in your life to help you understand who you are today. All right. So um, I'm from South Carolina. Manning, South Carolina, the city limits is like two and a half square miles, um, very, <laughs> very small town. Um, my dad's retired Air Force. My mom is actually British. Um, he was stationed over in the UK. That's how they met, um, which kind of uh, brought complications. It's kind of where it started even before my birth. Um, my mom's Indian. So with my dad Shout being out to African that. American, <laughs> with my dad being black, I mean it. It was uh, hard to accept, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, early nineties, mm-hmm. uh, obviously ended up getting married and and moved back to the states, moved to South Carolina where they had none other than you know. <laughs> but um, you <laughs> gl- <laughs> growing up was I mean, for for one, I mean as as a child, I I struggled. I definitely struggled. Um, at the age of five, I was sexually assaulted. Um, so that was that was tough. Um, and on top of that, uh, you know, I'm battling battling being a lesbian. You know, mm-hmm. as a child, and you know, some people they say you can see it. You know, growing up and stuff. And I, it, it was a constant battle for me. So um, mm-hmm. coming up being Southern Baptist, you know, that's unheard of. One, I'm black. I'm a lesbian. Mm. Um, I'm from the Bible Belt. It was mm. completely frowned upon. No matter which angle you look at me, completely frowned upon. So um, from there, I just I had to uh, find what made me happy um, mm. and and find the balance um, and and actually live for myself as a, as an adolescent. Um, and then obviously my innocence being taken from me, I had to grow up early. Um, mm. and learn a lot of the things that, that you would learn, you know, way 10, 10, you know, years ahead, 15 years yeah. ahead. I had to learn that young, um, and deal with those situations and, and learn to cope in therapy and counseling and stuff like that. So, um, 
I, I would say that I am resilient to yeah. say the least. Um, helping yes. raise my two little brothers. I have an older brother as well. He had already gone off to college and everything while I'm in high school and balancing, helping raise my, my little brothers, uh, helping my mom out, still helping my dad and everything too. They ended up divorcing. Um, so it's just, you know, beating after beating after beating. But uh, overall, I think that that made me into the person that I am, just being resilient um, and learning those life lessons um, and learning what what I would never want to wish or put on anyone else or even put them mm. in a situation. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And, and then on top of that, parenting and, you know, wanting to have kids in the future, uh, <laughs> stuff like that. It's just, um, it, it really made me, made me who I am. A lot of it was very unfortunate, of course, but, uh, I, you know, without it, uh, I wouldn't be, not to say that I'm wise, you know, but, right. um, I wouldn't be you as wouldn't sound. Be... Yeah. Right. Exactly. As sound. Yeah. Um, as yeah. I, and obviously I, I found meditation and um, seek God, which was very difficult. You know, people mm. look at you and they wow. say, well, you're a lesbian. So how do you how do you still believe? Mm. Or, you know, wow. um, people are so and then being from the South, people are so quick to condemn you. Um, right. But, you know, as soon as we get out of church on Sunday, I'm calling the evangelist and saying, did you see Sister Hattie's hat? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you, 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 you know, you coming at me, you know, right. wow. the way I am, you know? Right. Um, and, you know, he says, come as you are, you know? So I'm coming as I am, you know? I'm still a believer, but uh, you want to judge me and you want to condemn me, but you can't pick and choose what we want to listen to, you know what I mean? And I think that that's something mm-hmm. that I really had to... Uh, um, just come to terms with and then realize, um, mm. you know, that I, I can't continue to, to live my life how somebody else is going to view my life mm. or portray me or anything mm. like that. So, um, mm. yeah. So, um, the way, the way that you said you can't live your life based off of how other people view you. Um, I also resonate with that deeply, obviously, in our Indian culture. You know, we have this saying, Lok kya kehane, which means what are they going to say or what are people yep. going to say? Mm. And we've been raised to kind of go off of that, like live that life. What is everybody else going to say about what you're doing? And finding mm. that strength within yourself and within the power of your own power um, has been a huge, a huge moment for me as well. And the way that our stories intersect is actually super interesting. Well, not really. It's funny, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, me and Monica met in basic training day one we started out (laughs) it was me monica and actually dante's wife who unfortunately couldn't i know unfortunately couldn't join us today but we missing her and um (laughs) yeah it just kicked off i remember (laughs) i remember the mti telling you (laughs) that i was emotionally unstable (laughs) and that you had to become friends with me (laughs) it's like i need you to be friends with her (laughs) because <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's cool. Yeah. So, so how do you how do you think that that basic training moment 
kind of um, added to, to, to your story and to our story. And really with the idea of military um, prevalent right now, what, uh, what do you think Independence Day meant to you as a child versus what it means to you now as an adult with the, with the meaning that you understand more of? And Dante, obviously I want, I want you to answer this as well, but oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. So, so, so growing up, growing up, um, like I said, my dad is retired Air Force. He did 22 years. Um, so Independence Day is always something you see. And as a child, you're like, you think of 4th of July, you think fireworks, you think grilling. You don't really like think about independence, you know? And it, honestly, I mean, just being completely raw, it wasn't until uh, maybe seven years ago where I actually like started to dig more Um and actually process things and listen to, and that's really when I joined the military, it's been almost seven years, um, process what this whole thing is actually about. You know what I mean? Um, because everything's so whitewashed nowadays Mm. and, and they show you what they want you to believe. And I feel like all of us do fall victim. Um, and I did. So, uh, you know, the internet's free and knowledge is free. (laughs) So, 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 I mean, um, you know, shame on me if I didn't look it up and look into it, you know? So, um, after doing that and then it, it's kind of like a constant battle because we, we have to, uh, not necessarily be quiet being in the military, but, um, you're not really allowed to have mm-hmm. not political views, but active, mm-hmm. you know, be active in, in mm-hmm. this. So, um, just mm-hmm. because it's, um, I'm speaking on behalf of Monica Nelson at the United States Air Force, you know, kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, and, and have to throw in that can message every time I say something. And it's like, wow, you know, like it's really this deep to you. Um, mm-hmm. And and I love the military, you know, and it's helped it help, it's helped make me into the person that I am. Um, but looking at July 4th versus Juneteenth, you know, mm-hmm. um, we were never actually independent <laughs> and mm. and we weren't free you know being half black half indian um obviously oppressed both cultures yeah. um yeah. but on the black side of things you know uh, it took two years you know mm. <laughs> it took two years for them wow. to find out after you know abe signed mm. the the emancipation but i think it's crazy that it's so whitewashed because growing up in south carolina in that confederate state right it was never taught yeah. it was never taught and these people were praised you know um, right. these generals were praised and uh through the town that i'm from they came and burned the thing down as a child uh kkk was in my front yard you know um mm-hmm. so so tying all of these things in and and it's really educating folks um especially being in the military because a lot of my troops i have like five of them a lot of my troops are like, you know, how come no one's talking about this? You know, mm. big Air Force, Chief Wright saying something, you know, yes. and, and the generals are saying yes. something up here. And me yeah. as the immediate supervisor, I'm saying something and having these uncomfortable conversations. But that middle ground, no one's saying anything. You know, right. um, mm. everyone's quiet. Everyone's quiet. Mm. And then with the injustice that's going on since George Floyd, it's like, the you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, and now Juneteenth, you know, and, and one of our, our white airmen, um, he actually was like, you know, I I never heard of Juneteenth until this year. Mm. And I mean, 
you can't fault him right mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's real <laughs> you, you know that's what i mean real. and all you and, and you can't get mad you just got to educate and i think that that's where we right we not go wrong but um don't use that as a time to look at him like you should have known mm. this you know mm. use that as a time wow. to educate and uplift so right. whenever he sees his wow. white counterparts that don't know the same yes but feel comfortable enough to bring it up to him or ask him about it he can provide mm-hmm. them yeah. with that those keys like this yeah. is what i do know you know and, and continue to uplift and, and evolve um yeah so yeah yeah that's real and i think you know that's that's one of the challenges of this moment is you know how do we remember like the 4th of July is a day of memory it is it is a moment of remembrance and you know one of the challenges about you know american society um is that we suck at remembering rightly yes. you know a lot of yes yes that a lot of the things that we remember in some sense uh would be doing as you know martin luther king would say that, you know, you would believe that, you know, white people uh, were the great democratizers of the world. Even even think about this. So this was crazy. I was driving in North Augusta the other day and in preparation for July the 4th, we see all these banners. We honor our fallen, right? Mm-hmm. We see these banners everywhere. We mm-hmm. honor our fallen. But it's so interesting that all of the fallen are white males. Mm. It's like all, and you think about this, it's like, what happens? How do we remember war? How do we remember loss? How do we remember, quote unquote, independence? Um, When the image of independence, when the image of democracy, when the image of freedom, and even if we think about religion, even the image of religion and faith and how faith plays a part in American public life. Uh, yeah. oftentimes have shown, you know, that this country is pretty much centered on, you know, the white, quote unquote, the white Christian male yes. as the one who has gained the most and lost yes. the most as well. Absolutely. I, yes. I want to read, I want us to engage with this, uh, this quote from Frederick Douglass in 1852. I think it's so good for this moment. Uh, yes. Frederick Douglass is giving a speech and he writes, uh, which was actually, in some sense, it was you know his most one of his most famous speeches. It was what is yeah. Fourth of July to the slave. So yeah. he says, but such is not the case. I say it with a sad sense of the disparity between us. I am not included within the pale of glorious anniversary. Your high independence only reveals the immeasurable distance between us. The blessing in which you this day rejoice are not enjoyed in common. The rich inheritance of justice, liberty, peace, I mean, prosperity and independence bequeathed by your fathers is shared Mm -hmm. by you, not me. Not by him. The sunlight Mm -hmm. that brought light and healing to you has brought stripes and deaths to me. The 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice. I must mourn. Mm. Wow. And you know, that's such a deep <laughs> quote chills. because yeah, <laughs> it is. Man. And um the the way that you were talking about like the I think the image immediately when people think about veterans, immediately it's just white veterans. Absolutely. Right. And yeah. that's and I've always thought that that's an issue because me being an immigrant and then like kind of really um 
I guess, on paper, fulfilling the American dream, right? Whatever, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. my country. Right, exactly. Right. So, right. yeah. So the idea that I joined a military um, to to fight for a country that didn't want me here was one of the most, um, I think testing yeah testing things that i've really ever gone through i was at work the day that our current president was elected into office and like on on the ops floor and i remember literally just looking at the tv and having to walk out and cry because mm. i knew that my family and my little cousin that wants to go to dental dental school here is not able to do so. And um, it was really, really trying for me. So that quote by Frederick Douglass is, I think, the way that that we still feel to this day. And for something to be written so long long ago ago, and still still be so relevant today is a problem. Right, and, and it's it's funny because uh, right now I'm in my English class, I'm actually writing uh, an essay on a research-based essay on the injustice of African Americans in the United States. And you know, I'm mm-hmm. doing this research, and obviously, you want every you know the information to be current, uh, applicable, you know, stuff like this. And you have these little tests that she wants us to you know go through and everything, currency. And I'm looking at these articles, and I'm like balling my eyes out writing this because I'm like, man, they hate us, you know, but I'm finding these articles and in 1980, this comes out and these are the statistics, 90, these are the statistics and it's continuing. I'm like, if you recognize the problem here, why haven't you done anything? Mm. And, and, Mm. you know, being in the healthcare field, um, you know, the, the rate that African-Americans die um, that, mm-hmm. and, and it's been found that physicians will not, uh, recommend further treatment or give yes. pain medications because they believe that the black person is superior, <laughs> like physically superior. Like, I don't need to give you medication mm-hmm. because you're black and you're strong. Like, no, nah, I'm hurting, bro. Like, yeah. wow. <laughs> I'm hurting, you know? Um, and it yeah. actually happened to my best friend. He got his gallbladder removed. Um, and they didn't want to give him any narcotics because uh, they assumed that he was just seeking drugs. For one, as an African American male, he was seeking drugs and he had a higher pain tolerance. You know, so it, it, it's insane to me. Um, and also, you know, researching these things, you hear about it, but once you actually like see the, what these physicians are saying and um, what these doctors are saying, it's well, I'm not, I didn't recommend them because um, they're probably not educated and they probably won't do anything. So I'm not, they're not gonna do anything anyway. So I'm not gonna waste my breath. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm it, so interested. I'm so interested, uh, Monica, how have you seen like the things that you're writing about and researching in your English class intersect with like, you know, how you navigate conversations with, you know, fellow airmen uh, around the conversations of, race in American society. And even as we think about, you know, the meaning of this day for many of us, how has, you know, your studies kind of intersected with, you know, your everyday work life and conversations? Well, actually, I think it's beautiful. So, um, so my shift, I'm on night shift right now. 
Um, we have one, all of us are female. Oh, well, at the time when we were talking about it, all of us female. Uh, myself. There's uh, one, two white white women. There's a Polynesian. There's a girl from Laos, and then there's a girl from the Philippines. So it's mm-hmm. like this giant melting pot, and obviously, majority of us have been oppressed. You know, so it's mm. it's not necessarily uncomfortable for us to have those conversations because there's something that that resonates between the two of us that we can share common ground, you know, mm. and actually talk about, you know, wow. um, mm. how your family has been oppressed, you know, and how this is still going on and how you send money back to your family um, because they weren't able to make it to America. But this American dream that people sell you isn't really an American mm. dream. You know, right? I, I don't know how. To, I think that it's it's beautiful because um, I think God has a funny sense of humor, um, mm. and the situations that He puts you in is it's, yeah. it's insane. <laughs> it's it's insane. Yeah, yeah um, I completely agree. <laughs> it's insane. I always uh, I always tell my friends that um, that God I got to be His personal like sitcom. Because they, they just be random. Yes. Right? right? You know how in sitcoms it just be like, boop, boop, boop. I know for a fact he's up there like on the TV, like, yep. Oh, I was waiting got on you, this part. Got you with this one. <laughs> I was waiting on this part. Yes. And um, so, so as we talk about like you having an all female, you know, working nights, especially because I used to work nights as well. Um, and when we went to basic, it was the revamp of the Air Force, right? It was Absolutely. a revamp after after all the sexual assault things came out. Um, shout out to Flight 100. Brr, brr. You know. <laughs> really to ever do it. <laughs> <laughs> but so so after after we came in with the new wave of the United States Air Force and the military, um, us being in like, you know, overseas and having to work with coalition forces. How uh, has sexual assault, I guess, really not gone away, right? But how is it much more hidden now than it was then, right? Yep. And then I bring up, I bring up specifically, um, I, I don't want to, I, I hate that this is happening, but private first class, uh, Vanessa, Vanessa Goulian, I think is how you pronounce her name. Mm-hmm. Um, how ridiculous is that story that it still has to, there still has to be an investigation. And the investigation was only started because of the public outcry. Absolutely. So, yeah. So talk a little more about that, about like right now, I guess, with that. Uh, so I think that uh, this has been a continuous issue um, now to the point where sexual assault, um, since the rates have increased so much, 2019, I think was the highest we've had in a very long time. Um, in the Air Force, mm. um, Department of Defense as wow. well, but Air Force definitely spiked in 2019. Um, mm. But obviously, you know, they, they put these trainings together and who to talk to mm. and unrestricted and restricted and all of this stuff, but y- it's all preventative. You right. Know, it's it's all preventative. And obviously you can't detect that this person's going to be an offender and this person's going to be an offender and stuff. And I get that, but... Um, I don't think that it's enough and people aren't being held accountable. Uh, it's like, yeah. you know, the vice wing commander Shaw Air Force Base. I just read the article like two yeah. days ago. 7,000 images 
mm, in a folder yeah. on his computer called Jailbait of child pornography. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And even even when I was in, there was a man, um, a contractor, who got in a... I'm, I'm not going to say the place, but when I was when I was active, a contractor who got caught with child porn on his government computer as well. And the fact that these predators are the ones that are, quote unquote, leading. protecting us, leading, yeah. leading, mm. leading this entire society yep. is wow. so just and gross. Right. But as as a medical uh, personnel, like. You you said that that all the actions that are being taken are preventative, not only medical, but you know, as an NCO, as the future chief, uh, mass sergeant of the Air Force, just playing that <laughs> in, and also <laughs> as a as a woman, how what do you think would be a good solution? Like, what do you think would be a good reactive reactive protocol? Uh, so so obviously, you know, um, everything that's distributed and pushed out is. Um, if something happens, this is what you do because you can't predict who's going to be the offender. You know what I mean? Um, but mm. I, I love Nipsey Hussle. That, that's my guy. And one of the things hey. he says is <laughs> one, one of his famous quotes is, you know, you spell love by spelling T-I-M-E. You know, so mm. as an NCO, having that relationship um, with my people, my airmen, my peers, mm. um, so they can feel comfortable and obviously restricted, unrestricted. If you tell me too much, you have to go unrestricted, you know, and I get the guidelines and everything like that. But um, majority of the people, I think there's, I don't know what the statistic is, but um, you'd be amazed how many women are sexually assaulted in their life and never report Um, and never say anything. And they just live with this. And and it's traumatizing from someone who's had it happen, you know, survivor. Um, it is it is traumatizing. It's one of my first memories as a child. Um, yeah. But but just being able to um, to be that you know they talk about you know like for for me I know my grandmothers both of them. As soon as I see my grandmothers, I fall into their arms. Being that person for them, you know, if something happens, I got you. You know what I mean. Um, but I definitely think that uh, it, it needs to be heard more. And we can't decide to have a mandatory sit down and group huddle on sexual assault and reporting and stuff like that. This is something that needs to continuously happen. Um, and it's a shame that, you know, uh, the folks at Fort Hood haven't done anything, you know, mm. about what's what's going on. Um, and everything's hidden, yeah. you know, and it took a public outcry, yeah. like you said, for anything right. for anything to even happen. So, yeah. uh, had that not been said or, you know, had that not been voiced, would you have done anything? Um, right. and it's wow. unfortunate because, um, it doesn't take much to be a, a good human being and a good person. Mm. You know what I mean? So these, these people are becoming victims and you're aware of it and you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything about yeah. it, but it's being able to, to be that buffer um, as an NCO, um, to, right. to say, I don't care what happens. I will put my stripes on the line, you know? Um, mm. And I, I don't think mm. that there's enough of that. And it's not enough frequent conversation. Like, don't come to me when you need something as a leader, you know? Right. That, that's not knowing your people. Um, and they talk mm. about knowing signs and are they giving things away and all this. No, do you know your people? <laughs> like, are you talking right. to them? Mm. You know, or are you just going to them yeah. when you need something? 
Um, yeah. And I think it all ties in sexual assault and suicide. Um, mm. Yeah. Because uh, I think we're so mission, we can be so mission oriented um, that we are completely mm. oblivious to everything else that's going on. Yeah. 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 I think, I think it's so important that y- y'all are, that we are talking about, you know, sexual assault and, you know, even, you know, this kind of lens, this intersectional mm-hmm. lens mm-hmm. that, you know, when we look at various exp- uh, experiences of, you know, you know, oppression, or if we, you know, look at various experience of violence against another person, against other bodies, you know, as when, when I think about it, you know, if I'm, if, if I'm in some sense to kind of use, you know, religious language, theological language, you know, every person is, you know, created in the image of God. Therefore, that person has dignity. That person has value. That person has worth that must be not simply, um, that that must not simply be protected and honored, but there must be a system into which that body can flourish wherever it finds itself. So if I think about like Jesus, Jesus had a particular reality and a particular body. And as Jesus, kind of went inside of his society he uh, embodiedness was so important mm-hmm. inside of his society and i think even for us today and even as i'm thinking about you know hearing this as a male in this society you know i think this is even deeper than than it's it's, it's so deeply ingrained into how we think about maleness and masculinity Mm-hmm. Um, and how we otherize the female body, how we, in some sense, you know, our ideal of the female body is a pornographic kind of, Absolutely. it's mm. either pornographic on one hand or patriarchal on the other. So wow. it, 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 in some sense exploits the female body, uh, while also tr- in some sense trying to control our sisters mm. and we dishonor sisters in so many different ways. And we have failed sisters in this society, both in our complicity mm. as in, in my complicity, as well as, you know, in a lack of systemic structures that will not only re-educate us out of our sexist and misogynistic and patriarch patriarch and pornographic images of another human person, mm-hmm. but also in some sense, some type of accountability. Absolutely. Like it's not simply mm-hmm. that like individuals are failing women. Our institutions are failing mm-hmm. women in serious ways in that we are not holding men accountable. Like, and, and, and in some sense, like we, we, we are very quick to blame the victim. We're very quick to blame uh, the female to say, you know, you shouldn't have put yourself in that position. And it's like, it's like, <laughs> yo, like, yeah. it, sure. do you know how, de- not only how deadly and dehumanizing and destructive that is, but just how dishonoring that is to that right. person, but how, how kind of like, you know, you're letting the, the male off the hook because, yep. you know, mm. hey, we're naturally innocent in this conversation. Yep. Right, exactly. Had you not been and, and it, just, skirt, for, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, right? Come on. And this is not simply, yo, this is not simply in the military. I'm even thinking about in the church. Okay, yep. over the last right. the last few years, you have both in the Catholic church, 
you have in the uh, uh, Southern Baptist Church, you have even mm-hmm. in black churches, um, mm-hmm. you know, the complete failure of black women, even as we think about Toyin over these last few weeks, or even if we think about how we remember Breonna Taylor, yep. it's like, mm. you know, I, I have to be honest that, you know, we are failing women in real profound and deadly ways. And it's so heartbreaking to think about even as like, even more as I think about my wife, my friends, like my family. And I'm like, as a male, I always have to ask the question is this question. If I was in, you know, a female's position in this society, or if I was in someone who is LGBTQ in this society, one who we otherize in our society, how would I want this society and its people to love me? Man, that's so good. And like going off of what what you were saying, I remember in the New York Times back in 2012, there was an article written by David Brooks that said, why men fail. And, um, you know, I clicked on it thinking that it was going to be about what you just talked about so eloquently. Um, But it's about their circumstances in the economy. (laughs) wow (laughs) isn't that crazy isn't that wild you click on it and and merely he's only talking about the innate traits and social positions that men should be in in the economy and i think that this is this has been a topic for as long as i can remember but i just want to thank you for what you just said dante because absolutely it's like yeah, it's been echoing for years and years upon years. And still, even with the example of that New York Times article, it nobody else is thinking about it, you know. But hopefully this is a time of consciousness for all. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, hopefully it's a time of paradigm shift because in some sense, you know, the old ways of doing things continue to fail. And if I remember correctly... Uh, from the Declaration of Independence, uh, they made Mm. this statement that when a system, they were talking about government, but when a system fails, it is the right of the Mm -hmm. people to abolish it. And so in our country, the ways, you know, even as I think about myself in seminary and doing theology and trying to speak of faith in American culture and trying to speak of race and politics, It's like so many of our systems that we hold as sacred and dear have failed us. Mm -hmm. And how can we reimagine a way forward that has at the heart solidarity, love, power, justice, and community? Yeah. You know, with that, um, I am going to say thank you for coming on, Nelson. I have truly enjoyed this moment. <laughs> so glad, so glad we reconnected. And um, I think we have one more question for you. Cool. Yeah. So we'd like to end, you know, 
with with this question, you know, we've we've talked about so many just very very important things. Um and and I would just want to hear from you, you know, as you think about your story and how we're living our stories together. Mm-hmm. How do you see the story that you bring to this world as a way of helping us collectively as people tell a better story together? So it's funny you say that because uh, maybe five years ago, it really clicked. Um, And I kind of, to be honest, I removed myself from the church. Um, And Mm. I decided to to just uh, pray, meditate, read the Bible, talk to him. And I took all the outlying things out, all the judgment, all the, the condemnations. I took all of that out. And then I'm, I'm tunnel vision. You know, I got tunnel vision. After doing that, you know, I found this quote and it's be the reason someone believes in the goodness of people. And since then, my signature block on everything, be the reason someone believes in the goodness of people. Because to be honest, man, like so many things, so many things have happened in my life. Um, mm. And if I can just continue to motivate and continue to inspire people, whether it's a Christian, whether it's a lesbian, mm. whether it's an African-American, whether they're female, whether they're an airman, if I can continue to motivate you and uh, inspire you to, to do better and, and don't be, sorry, Nelson, I want to be like you when I grow up, not be better than me. If I can inspire mm. you mm. to shoot for the stars, you know what I mean? Um, and right. I don't want to get emotional, but... That is okay. It's, it's, this is a safe space. (laughs) Yes, for everyone to listen to. No, but, uh, (laughs) no, but like, um, people can be so cruel. People can be so cruel. Mm -hmm. So if, if I can get you to understand and if I can help guide you, um, to understand, to be wholeheartedly happy with yourself and in tune with yourself and your faith and your meditation or whatever you believe in. Um, if you can be in tune here and put everything else out, you can be happy. And your goals, yeah. you know, whether it's school, um, you're trying to make rank, um, whether you're trying to run your mile and a half in three minutes, I don't know, something, you know, something ridiculous, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you can take out everything outlined and you pray and you meditate and you focus, and if I can continue to inspire them to do that and stay motivated. You know, and I, I actually wrote it, um, you know, one more airman, one more Christian. If I can just get one more person to be inspired, mm. you know, because because mm. I needed that, you know, mm. out of all the doubt mm. I had my entire life. Um, that's what I needed. And that's mm. what I received. Obviously, yeah. you know, some of it was negative. Um, but there were people throughout my life that just kept inspiring me, kept motivating me. Kept yeah. motivating me. Like, you know, you just manifested me being chief master in the Air Force. I don't know when, but, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> but just inspiring That's and motivating, true. man. And, you know, uh, tying it back to the military, really, they, they always say, you know, mission first, people first, mission first, people first, you know, but if you take care of your people, you don't have to worry about the mission. It's going to happen. Mm. Heard it's going to happen. But if you focus on the mission, you're going to lose your people. Mm. And, you know, (laughs) taking that out of the military, that's applicable for the society, right? Especially for the government. 
they always go back and forth. Is it people first? Is it mission first? Right. And we know who the mission matters to. Right. And then people matter to the people. And um, as as we go through this time, this difficult time of all of this excavation, I like to call it, of history, emotions, civil unrest, um, I think that what you just said, getting one more person and having one more story to tell is one of the most beautiful things. And um, I just want to thank you for coming on. And I truly, truly, truly have enjoyed this conversation. You know, he had the stories between us. We believe very seriously that, you know, there is power in stories and that we are a place where ordinary stories intersect in extraordinary ways. You know, as we tell our stories with candor and courage, imagination and joy, we can create a better story together. Uh, And, you know, maybe one day as we look back on it, a better story can be told. Again, there's thousands of podcasts that you could have chosen to listen to, but we're thankful that you chose ours. Please subscribe and share. And while you're at it, follow us on social media. Once again, I'm Modi. I'm Stu. And this is the stories between us.